When God talks about this idea of meaning and purpose, he doesn't say you are valuable because, well, you tend the sheep the best. And you trim the trees much better than the other people I created. And you, man, you just look a lot better. I created you a lot better. The other people, I was trying things out. And man, you, I just got it right. No, what you catch here is that it says, let's make them in my image. After my likeness, your identity first and always is in Christ. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. Hey, everybody. So good to be here with you tonight. Pastor Alan, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your vacation, brother. That's so good. So good. It's good to have good friends in your life. It's good to have good friends in your life. Well, my name is Philip Milosavlovich. I'm the young adult pastor here at the University Church. I am so glad to be on this stage with you. Last week, I was in bed while you all were in praxis. You're like, dude, you go to bed so early. No, it's because I had the worst night of my life. I had norovirus. Some of you know what that is. It's just a horrible stomach flu. So that's what I had. My kids had it. And my wife had it. And then the person who was caring for all of them, I finally got it. And I was like, I'm supposed to preach the next day. And Pastor Joey stepped in. Praise God. He's an amazing guy. I hope you enjoyed that sermon. Um, He was such a blessing. You know, we're in a series called Church, Faith Still Matters. And it's really a, a series about understanding why still to remain in church community. But also it's about deepening your faith and a faith in an age that says faith is irrelevant. And so as the school year is ending, we really wanted to look at this because many of you are about to walk away, potentially transitioning from school or transitioning from Loma Linda to go somewhere. I don't anticipate actually that young adults stay in Loma Linda longer than about two to three years. And then they go somewhere. You go to the rural parts of America, you go to a new big city, you go to a new space, and you're found in a new community, and you're like, do I really want to go to church? I don't know anyone here. This is really new. Uh, I don't have my homies here. My girls aren't here. I'm not going by myself and some weirdo hitting on me, or the pastor sucks, and the music's awful. They don't even allow us to have a drum. What, What in the world? And you have to ask yourself this question, though. Does faith matter because of your preferences, or does faith matter? Last weekend, Pastor Joey shared a really sad and unfortunate statistic. 64% of emerging adults, or two-thirds, will walk away from church for some time. 64%. 
And that number rose from about 59% five years ago. And so what we see is a trend. Because years before that, it was less than that. The trend continues going. And so my heart for you and doing this series is I want you to understand we have got to become resilient. Faith can't just be something that's preferential. That's easy because of the context. Pastor Allen said it really well. We have this smorgasbord here in Loma Linda. I mean, around this area, we have the most Adventists per capita in all of the United States of America. There are so many Adventist people. They're like, are you Adventist? Are you Adventist? Gosh dang it, they're everywhere. (laughs) And the thing is, it's easy to be Adventist where everyone's Adventist. It's easy to go to church where you have a lot of options, but isn't easy when we moved to Arkansas. Elaine and I, in 2017, she got that piece of paper, the stinking paper, March 17, 2017, and the piece of paper, their fourth year, you all know match day, it is the most exciting and the worst of days for people. It wasn't one of those days that I wanted to see anyone because she matched away from Loma Linda. And there we end up in Arkansas, We get there, and I'm telling you, it was a desert for Adventism. The people that are there are amazing Adventist believers, but there are not many churches. There are not a lot of young people. There are not a lot of preferences in worship style. You don't have Pamela up there or Tiana. You don't have Josh. You you have Grandpa Bill (laughs) on his guitar. You have Grandma Susie playing the piano. And it's sweet, and it's nice. And you have the little kids up there doing music, and it's good, and it's wonderful, it's homey. But in those moments, you begin to realize, wait a second, I I missed something. (laughs) But then in the other perspective, it's a good season to transition, to realize that faith must go beyond the externals. It has to go deeper. Pastor Joey introduced us to a term called resilient Christians. The Barna Research Group wrote a really phenomenal book called Faith for Exiles. And it was looking at individuals who were the most faithful out of all Christians, Christian young adults. 10% of all emerging adults are resilient disciples who have a Christian background. Only 10%. These disciples are those who attend church regularly. They actually believe in the tenets of Jesus being the one who died and rose and was the God who still lives. They believe that the Bible is their authority for their life. They believe that their faith is supposed to impact their personal life and they want to impact others. That's only 10%. And you're like, wait, that's only 10%? That's only 10%. Well, what about the other 90? Well, they're not resilient. There's something else. Shoot. In America, we have a consumeristic Western culture. It is a culture that is based on comfort. This last month, I've had the privilege of getting to know someone. I hope one day maybe we can interview him up here, but at this time, I won't share his name or anything more than just simply a short word from his life. 
as we met together, he's from a Muslim nation. He ended up coming to school here to go uh, to be part of one of our graduate programs. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes and he said, Philip, this is the first time I can talk about Jesus openly. Do you understand how lucky you are? Do you understand in my country, we can't do this. My sister had to flee our home because she started to pray with people about and in the name of Jesus. And his testimony goes on and it's amazing. But resilience has to be apart from our circumstances. Resilience can't exist because we're in the comfort bubble zone. Our ministry, Praxis, is ascending ministry. We believe that God has called us to help train you, equip you, and set you on a course where you will be faithful and resilient no matter where you land. If you journey with us over the next two to three years, if you're just starting or you've been here a while, and you don't grow deeper in your faith, we've failed. We have failed. Now, we have failed, but it's also on you to grow. See, that's the thing we don't always talk about a lot in church, that it's on you to grow. It's also your responsibility to grow deeper. Some people say, man, this place sucks. I might go look back at you and I say, you suck. <laughs> Maybe you're not trying. Maybe you're not doing something. Maybe you're not giving. Maybe you're not going further. Maybe you're the one who's just been a consumer this whole time. And you're the one judging there with your check mark. Yeah, they did that right. Yeah, they had food. Yeah, the drinks were okay. The girls were nice. The sermon was <laughs> That one musician, no way. Yeah, okay, fine. If you want to do it like that. But is that what church has come down to? One of the most important questions you have to ask yourself in resilience is really, who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? It reminds me of a question that I'm asked regularly by young adults. Pastor, how do I figure out what to do in my life? How do I figure out what to do in my life? It's really a question about meaning and purpose. And unfortunately, in our Western culture, it's also a question about identity. And I say unfortunate because here in Western culture, we base what we think about someone's identity by the externals. Yeah, that guy drives a Tesla. That girl looks real good. That guy's going to be a doctor. He's a CEO. She founded this. He's a business owner. He looks real good. He's got a nice bank account. His muscles are fly. She comes from that family. Wow. They are, and we build the identity of who they are by that. But you see, that's not what God ever designed us to think about first and foremost. Let's go back to Genesis, the very beginning. Genesis 1.26 for a moment. Can we do that together? I want to read the text with you because I want to break it down, what God actually believes about our meaning and purpose. Tonight, we're looking at a deeper purpose than simply the externals. Look at this. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over all the birds of heaven and the livestock, over the earth, every creeping thing that creeps, all the creeps, be over all the creeps. 
But here you catch something very significant. When God talks about this idea of meaning and purpose, he doesn't say you are valuable because, well, you tend the sheep the best. And you trim the trees much better than the other people I created. And you, man, you just look a lot better. I created you a lot better. The other people, I was trying things out. And man, you, I just got it right. No, what you catch here is that it says, let's make them in my image. After my likeness, your identity first and always is in Christ. That has to be the foundation. That is why you matter. That's why you're valuable. Because you were built and are in the image of God. Not because of what you will produce not because of how good you look or what car you drive, where you come from, who your family is or is not. It is because Jesus formed you. It doesn't matter if you don't think you look good. It doesn't matter if you're not proud of your grades or the fact that you're not married yet or you haven't landed the right job. It's because you are a son. You are a daughter. And you're that first and you're that always. I say always because the fact is you're gonna fail out of that class, that relationship will end, the job that you thought you landed and was perfect won't work out, you're gonna make a mistake, you're gonna hurt somebody, they're gonna break your heart, you're gonna lose everything you thought you could have and it's gonna be gone. And is your identity lost? Is it over? Do you need to kill yourself like many people did in the first financial collapse and some are considering now? You had business executives jumping out of their offices in New York City because they lost so much money. And money was their identity. And if I'm not rich, then what am I? If I don't look good, then what am I? And so our foundation tonight has to start with that our identity is first and always in Jesus and so now let me break it down just with a practical example a friend of mine that I met here at Loma Linda he ended up selling his company actually it was bought out more so by Google for millions I mean millions he told me the story of how he moved to Hawaii, bought a beautiful home, had a great crotch rocket, a bike, and he drove around the island. He went to every fancy restaurant. He had a beautiful girlfriend. They had an incredible year. He gets to the end of the year and he said, Philip, I felt so purposeless, unhappy, no meaning in my life. We were created to do you see, the second part of the text was have dominion over. Have dominion over is very important. While the foundation identity is in Christ, having dominion is still important. It does not precede our identity, but it is valuable. Resilient disciples understand how to rule things well. They understand how to orchestrate their life well because they understand Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Do you know that text? I want you to read it with me for a moment. 
Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have dominion because we were created to have dominion. We were created to do good on this earth. That is an important part of your and my life. Now, the thing is, all of those good works have to first flow from his grace. You and I do good on this life because God has done good for us first. We are saved first, can I get an amen, because of the righteousness of Jesus. You are not saved because you do good. You do good things because you are saved by him. And so when you capture that, you realize you don't need a big spiritual job to be valuable to Jesus and others. You just need to be faithful at the job he's given you. I'm going to say it again. You don't need a big spiritual job to be valuable to Jesus and other people in this life. You just need to be faithful with the job he places before you. We live in an age of influence. And a lot of times, if we're not asked to do something of a great influence, a big task, a, a large project, something, well, pastor, could you, you know, give me something a little bit more than just, you know, just something up on the stage maybe? It's like you're not doing anything significant. But you see, little responsibilities taken seriously unlock greater responsibilities and opportunities. Little responsibilities taken seriously unlocks greater opportunity. I can say that some of you have been really poor at taking care of the little and the big responsibilities in your life. And you're facing the consequences of that now. In high school, you sucked. You were messing around the whole time. You were joking with everyone. You were thought of as a fool. And then you get to college and graduate school and you come to Loma Linda and you're like, dude, man, people know me here and they probably still think of me like that. I know, it's hard to change your reputation. But as you're faithful in little things throughout your life, the bigger responsibilities come. But it also takes time for people to retrust you again when you fail them. I can say, though, unfortunately, the reality is, though, we're all a mix of faithfulness and unfaithfulness. We're all a mix of times we haven't lived up to the standard of God and others. I can tell you, People think of me as a pastor who knew me back then. They're like, oh my gosh, are you serious? <laughs> and it's because I didn't make the wisest decisions. And that is why we have to fall on the mercy of God. That is why we have to always come back to Jesus. Lord, I need your grace and mercy. And so I can't be so presumptuous to say that blessings always flow to the obedient better jobs and better things and better responsibilities, but scripture is really clear. Where there is obedience, there is blessing. 
There is blessing because it unlocks the heart of God's blessings towards us. So whatever the tasks in front of you right now, I want you to ask yourself this question, am I being faithful with the little and the big that God has put in front of me right now? Someone recently asked us on our leadership team to take a major role at Praxis. This person rarely, if ever, comes. And it made me think of the first time I came to Praxis. And I came, and I, I was there. I'm excited. I'm a brand-new pastor. And I said, hey, can I do something? And someone handed me a chair. I'm a pastor. You give me a chair? Yeah, we need help setting up chairs. You don't want me to say anything up front? You don't want me to pray for something? I know you got a preacher here, but you want me to do a little interview like I did with Alan? You want me to just, like, is it, some, like, come on, just need you to put the chairs away, that's it. Because leadership and influence begins by serving. The little ways we serve people in our family, your neighbor, your housemate, your wife, your future person that you're really interested in, all of those things are ways that you can lead and influence. And if you think certain things are above you and beyond you, I'm not doing that. That's not me. You know, I got to point out the guy that's right here in the front row. Don't have to look very far. <laughs> Sitting right next to Kelly. This brother picked up. Kelsey. Kelsey, just kidding. This brother picked up a mop and a broom one night after we were done with praxis. No one asked him to. I'm not going to say your name because I don't want to embarrass you too much, but Colin here. <laughs> he picked up a broom and he started mopping the floors. Nobody said, hey, could you do that? He saw a need and he filled it. Amen. He saw a job and he said, I have two hands and two feet. I have a mind to think and realize everyone's busy. I can do that. When are you going to realize that's the same thing you're called to do everywhere? When you see trash in front of you, why don't you pick it up? It's not my job. That's not mine. They have someone to clean that stuff. Oh, really? Oh, I see. Oh, I get it. You're a Christian called to be like Jesus, but that's beneath you. I get it. I get it. It makes sense. It makes sense, right? No. No, it doesn't. Resilient disciples understand that the heartbeat of God is that he's created you to do good everywhere and in every sphere you're in in your life. And so I want to tell you about another person, our newest elected board chairman here at the university church. Amazing guy. You know what he's been doing for the past year before he became that? He was telling children's stories. He was driving a shuttle cart for old people who can't make it to the church. He wasn't speaking up front. He wasn't doing anything flashy. And people saw he was doing that really well. And one of the pastors said, you know what? Could you actually be the leader of the shuttle cart ministry? Man, he did that really well. Nominating time came and and people saw what he was doing faithfully. And they knew who he was. And they knew he would chair other boards that he was part of. And they knew his role at the university as the lawyer. And they said, you know what? He was faithful in the little. And we gave him more. And he was faithful with that. And we know his track record. Could you lead our congregation as our board chairman? 
We are so blessed to have him. But you see, that's what you're in right now. People are watching you. People are looking at you, and they're wondering, are you going to be faithful? Are you going to be faithful in the little? Now, many say, listen, pastor, I don't have time for church stuff, bro. I am so busy. Do you know my life? Do you know the things I have to do? Do you understand? You're paid for this, buddy. You do that. Mm, okay, okay, okay. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. We can giggle about that. <laughs> you see, not only does the world need you, your career, your family, but so do the people of God. So do the people of God because Jesus called it out through the Apostle Paul. He said the body, the ecclesia, the church in the Greek is made up of people. And we represent the body. And when everyone doesn't fulfill taking part in their little ways, you don't need to be big things you do. But in little ways, the body is harmed. The hand doesn't work well. The feet don't work as quick. We're not as fast reaching people for the kingdom because the body is like this. We can barely kind of walk and function. Sometimes we can't even get across. Dang it, he's not doing anything. She's not doing anything. When's he going to pick up the slack? When is he going to actually realize he's good at this? When is she going to realize she is so much more than she thinks? When is the body going to function as it's called to? When is the body going to work as it's been made to? When will you realize that you and I are called to serve in the smallest and the biggest of ways? When will we give something beyond us? Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom as an opportunity of the flesh. But through love, serve one another. You have to realize so many of us use the blessings of our lives selfishly for us. But God is looking to whom will be faithful with what I've given you. Who's going to be faithful to use their gifts and talents for the kingdom? Who? People talk about the end times all the time, especially right now. Scared about the end times. Man, finances, the war in Ukraine, the world must be coming to an end. <sighs> Jesus was asked about the end times when he was alive. In the book of Mark, it's interesting. There's a story as disciples talking to him and giving him advice and wanting to understand a little bit more. And, and Jesus breaks it down for them. And he says, listen, you can get preoccupied about when I'm going to come. But I need you to be preoccupied about something else. Mark chapter 13, verses 34 to 17. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his own work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he'll come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Awake. You catch here something so important. 
Jesus gives this example to everyone. He says to all of them that were listening, listen, someone goes on a journey, and he's doing that hypothetical. Someone's going to go on a journey. He's about to leave, and he's giving them this parable, pointing out to what he's about to do. I'm going to go on a journey, and I'm going to give each of you a work to do. And I need you to stay awake and stay vigilant in that. Realize I'm leaving. That means you're in charge. Do you recognize that? He's gone because he believes in you. He's gone, and he's given you the keys He's gone and he says, I think you can do something amazing in this life, Megan. I believe in you. Listen, you thought that you're just called to do that one thing in your career, but I'm calling you to something greater, a deeper purpose than you ever imagined. So what are your spiritual obligations to this church, this community, this people? Let's break it down really quickly for the very end here. Jesus had some spiritual obligations. When he stood up to read the Torah in the church one day, the only text we saw that he read was Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. And there it said that I have been called to proclaim the good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoners, healing to the blind, and freeing the spiritually oppressed by demons, and to proclaim the year of his favor. God was called to preach the good news to those who are less than in society. He was called to give freedom to those who are addicted, captives, prisoners. He was called to bring physical healing to people who are blind and other ailments. He was called to give freedom to those who are oppressed by demonic forces. He was called to proclaim his grace. Why do we assume our task is any different than the one who put us in charge? Why do we assume our task is to just take it easy and sit back and let those professionals do the job? You're paid to do it, bro. I pay my tithe. Just chilling. I'm just chilling, bro. I don't need to do much more. But the reality is this, friends. Do you understand that in the next 10 years, get this stat, in the next 10 years, in the North American division, out of the 3,500 pastors and administrators that we have, shepherding all the churches and conferences and unions that we have, 2,500 of them are eligible for retirement. We're about to see the largest exodus of pastors from churches in the next 10 years. And so you tell me, why am I passionate about this? Because the church is about to face one of the most serious crises we've faced in a long time. We're going to be in need of leadership. And tonight, I believe some of you have the call of God on you in a unique way. I believe every one of you is called to do good works but I believe that there is someone here tonight who is called also to shepherd a flock as a pastor. And you might need to step up in that way. But every single one of you will be needed so desperately. Tonight, I want to bring up to you a few of my good friends. 
These are people who are called to shepherd this congregation, this community right here at Praxis. They are your elders that were just chosen by our church over the last three, four months. And they're young adults. It is amazing. When we did the ordination a few weeks ago in our sanctuary, our church members were like, wait, are these the elders? Are these all the, they're all young. And I was like, yeah, they are. So I want to call up tonight our 10 Praxis Young Adult Ministry Elders, Kelly and Matt and Carl and Daniel, Ezrika, Ariana, Derek, Gus, Sarah, David. Tonight, as we close and the band comes up, I just want to take a little bit of time just to tell you, up here are some of my good friends. We're going to be part of ministry with you and for you. We are your chief servants. We want to serve and we want to be part of your lives. We want to do ministry with you and for you. If you have need in any way, my prayer is that you would look to them as your servants in ministry. That you would look to them as people of spiritual significance, but also people of responsibility that can pray with you, that can cry with you, that can shepherd and guide and be there for you. Every single one of them, I believe in deeply. Every single one of them, I trust with, their, with your spiritual care. If you need a safe space, I believe that is them. If you need guidance along the way, or if you just need a friend, this is your Praxis leadership team. For the next three years, they will journey with you in very intentional ways. Along the way, maybe they'll slip up, and maybe you'll need to be there for them. But that's community. That's part of church. And that's the way it goes. And so the question I have for you is, what role are you going to take more seriously in your life? What little thing are you going to say, God, I need to do this more faithfully? Tonight, I want to invite Pastor Alan and Pastor Jamie to come up. We're going to bless these guys up here tonight, and we're going to pray over them. And I want some of our pastors who've been ordained to just commission to ministry to lay hands on them as well. So, friends, I want you to throw out some holy hands. We're going to pray over this team. We're just going to bless them right now in front of all of you here. Jesus, thank you so much for the ministry that you've called us to as friends and family of the kingdom. God, I'm grateful to be able to be on this journey with some young adults who are passionate about Jesus and passionate about this local church. God, my prayer is that you would sustain them, protect them, because Satan is furious with them. I know that there will be attacks and arrows they're not anticipating. But God, in this season, my prayer is that even though they may get hit, they would get back up. And God, even though they may not always know the way to go, Jesus, would you be their guide? And Father, I pray for our entire congregation and for everyone who's part of this church tonight. Jesus, bless them and guide them and direct them. And may your peace be upon them. Father, for we want to be looking up to you one day and have you say, welcome, my good and faithful servant, come home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
You know, you may not know really what to do. You may not know what spiritual job God has for you. I want to just leave you with this really practical thing. Look at your context, the church that you're in, the workplace, your neighborhood and family, and pray about God to give you eyes to see differently this next week. God, show me where you want me to minister. I want you to think about your desires and your talents, how you're gifted and molded. I want you to seek, ask, and knock on the door. You might need to call some of these people who you saw here tonight. Hey, listen, the pastor said, and I feel called to X, Y, and Z. And lastly, I want you to really take Jesus' advice to his disciples before he left. And look at the passages, the very last chapters of all the Gospels, and think about what Jesus told them. I love how the book of John ends. Peter is looking at another disciple. He's like, hey, well, what about them? They're not doing, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't be looking at what they're doing. You, you just follow me. And that's the last thing I want to tell each one of you. When you're faithful following Jesus, just follow him and he will direct your paths where you are called to minister along the way. But seek, ask, and knock because sometimes people don't know you're ready to do something. You haven't asked. And maybe you need to start picking up the trash so people can notice this person picks up trash real well. Maybe they can do something else too. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there on a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment. It makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.